In terms of Carson, uh, I don't think it's a secret that uh, we moved up for him because of what we thought about him as a person, as a player. We gave him that extension because of the same things. And so um, when you have players like that, they're like fingers on your hands. Um, you know, you can't even imagine that they're not part of you, that they're not here. And, um, you know, that's, that's how we feel about Carson. Well, that was Howie Roseman. I guess that makes the Philadelphia Eagles Jason Pierre-Paul right now. Am I allowed to go there? Jason, uh, <laughs> Leonard, Fournette, Leonard Fournette did it after the Super Bowl, so it's fair game now. It's fair game. So, uh, anyway, the Eagles have chopped one of their fingers off voluntarily. Today, Carson Wentz, as expected, is traded. It's PFTPM. We're going to be talking about that for much of the next hour. Shireen, welcome back. How's everything going for you? And, and I, I, look, there, there, there's nothing lighthearted about this. And I'd like to hear some from you about what is going on in Texas now. From everything I see and I hear, it's horrifying. It's heartbreaking. Give me just an idea of, of what folks are dealing with down there right now. Well, we've been very fortunate, Mike, and, and I can hardly complain. We've never lost electricity. I think it's because we're located so close to a senior center and retirement home and a fire station, and we never lost power. Very grateful for that, and and uh, we haven't lost water. We do have low water pressure, and we're, having, we're in a boil order. So you think about all the things you use water for, like, you know, washing, washing your hands. You can't do it. Bottled water, lots of bottled water. So... We made a grocery store run yesterday and did buy some bottled water. The lines were very long. The shelves were very empty. The gas stations are empty. You know, the roads are empty, frankly, because we're still frozen over for at least another 24 hours or so until this all melts away. As you know, Mike, we go and hide under beds and, and until it melts. But we have had friends who've had to come over that were without power for 50 hours, and there's just there's some nightmare stories out there from friends and family. But... You know, there's a lot of good people in this world, too, and a, a lot of neighbors helping neighbors. And we, we're on a neighborhood kind of string on our street, you know, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. You need anything? And so that part's been great. I think you become closer to people, closer to your neighbors in, in times like this where people need help, frankly. But it is terrifying. It is uh, it's horrible. And everyone's angry and frustrated and trying to figure out why this happened and let's not let this happen again. I mean, people going without power for that long might it's just unfathomable yeah it really is and hopefully once we all get to the other side of it it won't just be let's move forward it'll be let's look backward and make sure that in the future whether it's texas or anywhere else in the country we operate like a first world country not a third world country in moments like this and there is a way to to provide electricity and heat and the basic things that we take for granted for a reason, because we're not a third world country, or at least we're not supposed to be. All right. Well, it's good to hear that you're doing well, and it's good to hear that people are coming together. It's bad to hear so many of the other stories, but hopefully the good eventually outweighs the bad, and this thing gets behind us and never happens again, no matter what Mother Nature throws at us. All right. Football threw at us a curveball today because we were kind of at the point where we accepted the reality that the Eagles had one suitor for Carson Wentz, and that until March 17, when the deal officially can be done, there was no reason for either side to move toward the bottom line. Apparently, both sides became sufficiently exasperated with the uncertainty, and they decided to get the deal done. And they did. 
get the deal done. As of March 17 at 4 p.m. Eastern, Carson Wentz will be traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third-round pick and a second-round pick in 2022 that becomes a first-rounder if Carson Wentz participates in 75% of the snaps on offense or 70% plus they make it to the playoffs, which creates an intriguing donut hole that if they stink near the 75% mark of the season, maybe they tell Carson Wentz to take a seat so they don't have to give up a first-round pick for 2022. But uh, look, I'm not surprised by any of this. I'm not surprised it's the Colts. I'm not surprised that it isn't a huge haul in return. And I I am just a little bit surprised that they found a way to get the deal done with just about four weeks to go until the deal can be official, Shereen. Yeah, Mike, you know, it's surprising, but it's not surprising. And you think back to a year, maybe two, five years ago, however long you want to go back, these quarterback deals are unprecedented. I mean, we used to see quarterbacks be drafted in the first round, and they were with that team until they could no longer play, whether that was they just were terrible or they retired or they got hurt or whatever the situation may be. But we just didn't see this kind of deals for top-level quarterbacks or what we think can be top-level quarterbacks or who have shown they have been top-level quarterbacks at one point. But guys who are still in the prime of their careers, who are either young 30s like Matthew Stafford or late 20s, as is the case of Carson Wentz. And so I think that's why it's surprising is just this shift of so much quarterback movement. Even Tom Brady last year and Phillip Rivers leaving as free agents. You know, you didn't see that a whole bunch in the past. And we're just seeing quarterbacks move around now. It's a different day, a different game, a different time, Mike. I think a big part of it, too, is that as more and more young quarterbacks come into the sport and pan out, for whatever reason, they're more prepared or the game is more prepared for them. The coaches are more flexible about doing the things that the young quarterbacks did well at college instead of saying, We're going to take this guy and make him into a quarterback who runs a different system than what he ran in college. It's all about finding the things that he can do, coaching him up quickly, and getting him to reach his potential sooner rather than later. We see a higher success rate for young quarterbacks, especially first-rounders, makes it easier to say we're going to move on from Carson Wentz. We feel good enough about Jalen Hurts that we can move on from Carson Wentz. Maybe the Eagles think they can find somebody with the sixth overall pick in the draft this year who could come in and be that other quarterback to Jalen Hurts. One thing they learned through the Carson Wentz era is you got to have two guys. You got to have two guys. And the Eagles regard backup quarterback as a top 15 position on their roster. So they're not going to stand pat with Jalen Hurts and Nate Sudfeld. They're going to get somebody else, and they've indicated there will be competition for Jalen Hurts. So he hasn't been handed the starting job as of week one. The only thing we know is Carson Wentz won't be one of the guys in competition because Wentz didn't want that. Wentz believed that he should be the unquestioned guy by virtue of the contract that he received. And, you know, it's a strange story. They trade up to get him. They keep him over Nick Foles after the 2018 season when Foles is Super Bowl MVP and then that following year nearly gets them back to the Final Four. And then they give Wentz the big contract. Two seasons later, here we are. They're doing everything they can to get out from under that contract and moving on from Carson Wentz. It's strange how they got there. But in past years, I agree with you. There wouldn't even be a conversation about moving Carson Wentz. You keep him because once you have a guy who has shown he can play like that, You don't let him go because you never know when the next one is coming along. It seems like there's always a next one coming along in today's NFL.
And it's funny, Mike, if you think back even a year ago, they didn't have Jalen Hurts on the roster, right? We would have thought this was crazy even a year ago before they drafted Jalen Hurts. And I think the Jalen Hurts second round pick using that on him I think that changed everything for the Eagles it changed their entire future it changed everything for Carson Wentz perhaps led to his loss of confidence whatever happened there but something happened this year with Carson Wentz and now the Colts get a chance to rebuild that one thing I had forgotten Mike and you brought this up is how much the Eagles paid and I don't mean in money because we know they paid a lot in money to to for Carson Wentz only a couple of years ago. I'm talking about draft picks. They give up five draft picks in two different trades to trade up to get this guy number two overall. And those draft picks turned out to be Deshaun Watson, Laramie Tunsil, and Jack Conklin among the five draft picks. So you think about those guys you could have had with those draft picks, and it's just amazing to me that how quickly his career really deteriorated, and now here we are to the point where he's getting a new start somewhere else and the Eagles are moving on to whoever else they they happen to find. And I don't see a veteran quarterback going to Philadelphia because why would you go there if you think you have to compete for the starting job if you have a chance to go somewhere else to definitely be the starter? One guy that I'm fascinated by as a potential Eagles quarterback is Nick Foles and what would be his third stint with the team. He was there 2012 originally as a third-round draft pick, traded to the Rams for Sam Bradford, then signed as a free agent after a season with the Chiefs, Super Bowl MVP, the guy that they said will move on from after Carson Wentz became the franchise quarterback and the guy they chose to keep. Now you could bring Foles back, and it could be Jalen Hurts with Foles as the backup. Who knows? There are a bunch of different ways they can go, but it will be, I believe, two quarterbacks, whether it's a rookie with Hurts or a veteran with Hurts. They'll have two quarterbacks about whom they feel good, and they'll move forward in that way and try to rebuild a franchise that just won a Super Bowl a little over three years ago, and what a different team it is now with Nick Sirianni as the head coach, with Carson Wentz gone, and with a quarterback depth chart that at least is 50% settled, but 50% completely and totally uncertain. And the only thing we know is they won't have Carson Wentz as of March 17 at 4.01 p.m. Eastern. Let's look at this now from the Colts' perspective. And I think the Colts got the guy that they wanted and got the guy that they needed and they have the reunion with Frank Reich if anyone was going to get Carson Wentz back to where he was before whatever it was that happened in 2020 was it the Jalen Hurts draft pick was it something else was it his relationship with Doug Peterson was it his relationship with someone else what caused a guy who in 2019 single-handedly turned around a five and seven team and took them to the playoffs and maybe would have beat the Seahawks if he hadn't been knocked out of the game early thanks to an illegal hit from Jadavian Clowney that was neither flagged nor fined when he got a concussion in that game. I mean, Carson Wentz is the last guy we expected to lose it in 2020. So can Frank Reich turn this guy around? It's a huge financial investment, but if they can get him back to where he was, holy crap, this is a potential Super Bowl team. Oh, no question about it, Mike. This is a team that was in the top 10 in both offense and defense last season with Phillip Rivers as quarterback and obviously a declining Phillip Rivers at quarterback. Now, he didn't turn the ball over as much as he did in his final season with the Chargers. But even if they get the mid-level play 
from Carson Wentz that he gave the Eagles in 2018 and 2019. This is a team that's probably going to go to the playoffs. It's probably going to cost the Colts a first-round draft pick, which, frankly, they will gladly give up if that leads to to a playoff team and, and success in the playoffs. Now, we know Carson Wentz has not had that success in the playoffs yet, but he certainly has shown it at least in one season that he can be that franchise guy. And he was having a terrific season when he had that knee injury. He was on pace for over 4,000 passing yards and 40 touchdowns. He still had 33 touchdowns, which was second in the NFL that season after missing the last four games after that knee injury. So he's shown he can be that guy. It's now a matter of Frank Reich and Press Taylor getting that back out of Carson Wentz. But Carson Wentz, I know, respects Frank Reich and loves Frank Reich, and that's going to help him, and he's going to listen to Frank Reich. And Frank Reich obviously believes he can get back Carson Wentz back to that level, or they wouldn't have made this trade, Mike. There's just no way. And I think it's the only place that, that Carson Wentz wanted to go. Jake Glazer reported earlier today that the Bears never actually made an offer. And that takes me back to the, the rumor slash report that emerged Super Bowl weekend from Howard Eskin of WIP, who's also the Eagles sideline reporter. I just wonder who from the Eagles planted that notion that the Bears were going to offer first-round pick Nick Foles, Tariq Cohen for – Carson Wentz and a draft pick from the Eagles that that I think was aimed at scaring the Colts off of their position and Dron Jaworski had said two second round picks is what the Colts offered maybe maybe two second round picks became uh, the 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 final package through negotiation with the possibility of a first round pick and a third round pick going to Philadelphia but regardless the Colts were the only ever team only team that ever made sense for Carson Wentz. And if I'm him, just think about the, the differences in the fan base, the differences in the expectation level. He's going to a place that has been shell-shocked by quarterback movement in recent years. And it all started with the retirement of Andrew Luck. Then they pivot to Jacoby Brissett, and then they give Phillip Rivers a try. I don't think the Colts fans are going to be nearly as skeptical as Bears fans would have been, and it's going to be nothing like the experience he would have had if he'd stayed in Philadelphia as the starter. I think the Colts fans are going to embrace him because they understand, hey, if this guy plays like he's capable of playing, we are a legitimate contender. And we've we've fixed that 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 hole in the franchise that emerged when Andrew Luck retired. Now, the injury issue is something to be worried about, and they're used to that with Andrew Luck. But if this guy can get back to anything close to how he was before 2020, the Colts will be a factor in the AFC. And, uh, you know, if not, they will have spent some money. They've been holding a ton of cap space. They have to, on a four-year rolling average, spend a certain amount of money in relation to the salary cap. And this isn't going to hurt them. They're able to do it now because they got so much cap space. They don't need to worry about their budget. They, 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 they just factor in Carson Wentz as a guy who's on the team and you otherwise work out your budget for everyone else. They'll be able to do that. They'll be able to operate. They'll be able to go out and try to make the team better. And maybe they can create some buzz and be one of these teams that attracts the free agents who can't find long-term deals and who are saying, I'm going to go to a team that I think will be a contender. The Colts now are on that list. They already were, but I think they're even more clearly on that list now that they've addressed the quarterback situation, Shereen.
Yeah, no question, Mike. And, you know, they had that Band-Aid approach to their quarterback position after Andrew Luck surprised them with his retirement right before the start of the season. They had the one-year starter in Jacoby Brissett. Then they had the one-year starter in Phillip Rivers. But if you look back over their history, Carson Wentz is going to be their fifth, assuming he's healthy on opening day, he'll be their fifth straight opening day starter that's that's different. Different quarterback, five consecutive years uh, for the Colts. And Frank Wright, it'll be his fourth starting quarterback since he's been there but they think they've settled that now with Carson Wentz that he is going to be the guy long term going forward and you mentioned the fan base is going to be in love with Carson Wentz they are there's going to be a long honeymoon period there because they think they found their next guy after Andrew Luck finally to take the reins for a long period of time it's also a better media market for a quarterback Mike, because the Philadelphia and you think about even Chicago media markets, there would be much more pressure on Carson Wentz in those two markets. He's going to face a lot less pressure from that standpoint in a smaller media market in Indianapolis. I'm not saying they're not tough. I'm just saying it's a smaller media market. There's less scrutiny. And I think he's going to enjoy that. And I certainly think that will help his confidence and his revival, not to mention his offensive line is going to be much, much better than he had in Philadelphia this past year. See, one of the things that the Eagles were kind of quietly saying to justify sticking with Carson Wentz, they had 14 different offensive line combinations last year. 14. They were losing guys in the preseason. They were losing guys before training camp. There was no preseason. They were losing guys before training camp even began last year. So they have had a difficult time on the offensive line, especially last year, and they don't have that in Indianapolis. Now they got to figure out what they're doing at left tackle now that Anthony Costanzo has retired, and there's even talk that that Quentin Nelson will move to tackle, which may or may not be a good thing for the Colts, but they've got the nucleus to have a good offensive line, and they've got the cap space to go out and buy up some guys to make it even better than it currently is. So I think that this has the potential to work for Wentz and work for the Colts. And the the big point is there was no one else where it would have worked. There was nowhere else where he could have gone and felt like he's walking into a good situation where he's going to get the benefit of the doubt from the media, where he's going to get the benefit of the doubt from the fans, where he has someone there with whom he's worked before. It all lined up perfectly. The moment that it looked like he wanted out during the season, the only place that made sense was the Colts. It was always pointing to the Colts. And back to the Eagles, to consider that they got real value for a contract that in their perspective was a hot potato deal. They didn't have to give up net assets to get rid of the contract that has over $40 million guaranteed over the next two years. They got something back. That in and of itself is a win. This isn't Brock Osweiler. This isn't Jared Goff. They got net draft assets for that contract because the Colts needed Carson Wentz. Now, they didn't need him so much they gave up a clear first-rounder, but it probably is going to be a first-rounder in 2022, and that's absolutely the best the Eagles could have hoped for, Shereen. Mike, when you consider what they gave up to get him, the bad contract they gave him, they did win a Super Bowl in his time there. I realize he was not the quarterback of the team, but maybe they don't go win the Super Bowl if he doesn't do what he did in the regular season to get them to the playoffs, to give them you know, some, some home games there and everything else he did to get them into the playoffs. Was this worth it to draft Carson Wentz and do what they did? Well, I look at it this way. During the period of time that Carson Wentz was on the team, 
they won the first first Super Bowl in franchise history. Yep. So yes, it agree. was worth it. And he he had a key hand in positioning the Eagles for the number one seed in the NFC. If Nick Foles is the wire-to-wire quarterback in 2017, they're not the number one seed, and they're likely not winning the Super Bowl. So, yes, from that perspective, it, it was worth it. And, um, you know, this gets back to the, the philosophical debate, and I, I don't know where I come down in this regard. The, the quarterback who you hope is going to transform your franchise and be your 15-year starter versus all the stuff you give up to get him or the stuff that you decline in order to draft him, whether it was last year, whatever the Bengals said no to from the Dolphins. In hindsight, maybe you do the deal, take Justin Herbert plus all the other stuff, and you're better off than if you only have Joe Burrow because you get your franchise quarterback and a bunch of extra lottery tickets. That's the question. How sure is a sure thing in the NFL? How many of these franchise quarterbacks actually lead a team to a championship and is it better to have more of the tickets where you scratch off the silver metallic paint and you see what's under it because I'm a firm believer the the more swings you take the more tickets you scratch the more likely you are to put together a team that's going to have a solid nucleus instead of putting all the eggs in one basket and hoping that that guy becomes a transcendent player because it it just doesn't happen that often where that one guy becomes the guy when you when you say we're either giving up a bunch of stuff to get him or we're saying no to a bunch of stuff we could get to keep him that that guy becomes the savior of the franchise who vaults you to multiple championships. I completely agree with you, Mike. And you look what the Kansas City Chiefs did. They were a really good team that had a chance to win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith at quarterback. I mean, we all liked them. We all thought they had a chance to win it. Yet they traded up to get Patrick Mahomes because they love Patrick Mahomes so much. And you look at the Saints, we're thinking about doing the same thing despite having Drew Brees. Then you look at a team last year, the Lions, who had the third pick overall, could have drafted their future franchise quarterback, but said, nah, we're good. We have Matthew Stafford. A year later, they've moved on from Matthew Stafford, and they're rebuilding with with Jared Goff. Maybe if they had drafted Justin Herbert at that point, maybe even Tua, who knows? But if they had drafted a quarterback there, they solved their quarterback woes last year. Then they trade Matthew Stafford this year, and they get all those additional drafts picks but they already have their quarterback they don't have to take on Jared Goff so I'm completely with you I don't care if you have a guy you truly believe in Uh, we talked about the Packers last year I see why they drafted Jordan Love even if Jordan Love never plays a down for the Packers maybe they'll be able to trade him and get even more for him in the future and it certainly benefited I think Aaron Rodgers this year because I'm not sure he would have won the MVP award if he wasn't looking back and had that chip on his shoulder that Jordan Love came in as a first-round draft pick to replace him. It's a fascinating philosophical discussion. There are no right answers until we know what the answers are, and then we can look back and say, that team did the right thing, that team did the right thing, that team didn't do the right thing. And that's one of the, one of the, the, the frustrating aspects if you're working for a team and trying to figure out the best way through this. And there are different approaches, but you know, the the chiefs go all in, they make the move to get Patrick Mahomes and it works. If that, if that guy ends up being that once in a generation player and you don't find out until he gets to the NFL that he is or he isn't, but if he is, you you got something. And the Eagles thought they had it with Carson Wentz and 
I, I think that there are books to be written on what really happened between the Eagles and Carson Wentz behind the scenes that caused them to be compelled to move on from him. And the real question is, was 2020 an aberration? Was this the equivalent of Ben Roethlisberger's third season in Pittsburgh or Peyton Manning's fourth season in Indianapolis? Both regressed, but both turned it around. The Colts are going to be hoping that he turns it around and that they can not just get back to the playoffs, but win some playoff games. And... Um, uh, who knows? Now, the other thing to remember, I, I, I feel compelled to say this because we talk about these deals as if they're official. Not official until March 17 at 4.01 p.m. Eastern, and either team can back out. Not that I'm rooting for that, but I do kind of like a little chaos. And the, 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 just the, the statistics, right? Chances are at some point with enough of these trades that are done but not done in advance of the first day of the league year, one of these days, one of these years, one of these trades is going to fall through. And the, the moment we don't talk about it anymore, Shireen, that's the moment it will happen. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, and it doesn't become official and it's not official. And either team can back out at any point until it becomes official. And we, we've seen that in other deals, especially around the trade deadline where a guy doesn't pass a physical or something, but we've never seen it at this point. But at some point, you figure it's got to happen. Yeah, and, you know, I've never heard any more details about Jared Goff's physical. That was the one, let's wait and see what the Lions do because of the thumb surgery that he had late in the regular season. And it would be an easy way for the Lions to say, eh, you know what, we, we really don't want to do this. We can maybe get a better offer from someone else. So uh, I, I haven't heard anything about it. They acted like they were going to do the physical fairly quickly. There hasn't been any reporting that I'm aware of one way or the other. And I think we'd have heard about it because things have been so damn slow since the aftermath of the Super Bowl. But that's one way. If a team gets remorse and doesn't just want to simply renege on the deal, the doctor just fails the guy on the physical and we've seen that happen different doctors have different views about the overall health and well-being of a player and uh it would be naive to assume that the teams don't have a way of letting the doctor know which way they'd like that physical to come out one other point about this from the from the Colts perspective the Colts called the Raiders about Derek Carr reportedly and the Colts were told that Derek Carr is not available so the Eagles or the Colts excuse me Tried to get Carr. The Raiders didn't even want to have the discussion. So this isn't a situation of, of uh, engaging in trade talks. They're, they're keeping Derek Carr. They're all in for Derek Carr. And maybe that's their position until they find someone better. And then they make the move. And then Derek Carr would be available because Mike Mayock always talks about that, the GM of the team. But it, it sounds like they're still in hang-up-the-phone mode whenever anyone asks about Derek Carr. Yeah, and it sounds like they're more likely, Mike, to trade Marcus Mariota, and there is interest in Marcus Mariota. So it's going to be interesting what happens with the Raiders as we go forward. There's so many of these teams who are kind of on the edge that, you you know, if they trade their quarterback, you're not going to be surprised, but what are you going to do at the quarterback position? You've got to upgrade. If you're going to change your quarterback, if you have one, I realize the Colts didn't have one after Phillip Rivers retired, but if you have one, it's got to be a definite upgrade over the one you have, just like a head coach. If you're changing head coaches, you got to make sure you find a better one than the one you have, Mike. Absolutely. And there's there's ripple effects of this Carson Wentz trade as it relates to Deshaun Watson and his desire to get out of Houston. We'll talk about that next. But on the way out, Jim Irsay, smiling head coach with the photo 
of Frank Reich, who is indeed happy today because he gets his reunion with Carson Wentz and addresses the quarterback position. Now he just has to figure out how to get the most out of it. More PFTPM right after this. Quincy Avery. Who's Quincy Avery, you ask? He's the personal quarterback coach of Texans starter Deshaun Watson, who wants out of Houston. The tweet from Quincy Avery. What's the criteria for a quarterback asking to get traded, then actually getting traded, asking for a friend? Oh, oh yes. Yes, he was asking for a friend, and his friend is Deshaun Watson. Look, we've seen two quarterbacks who wanted trades get them so far. Matthew Stafford gets his trade out of Detroit. Carson Wentz gets his trade out of Philadelphia. Deshaun Watson still waiting and by all appearances will continue to keep waiting. Shereen, there was a story in The Athletic today that takes a look at how things went sideways between Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. And it goes back to the Andre Hopkins trade, which he found out about on social media. And then when he was negotiating his contract, Bill O'Brien told him he'd have a seat at the table for the direction of the team. And that all fell apart. And they fired Bill O'Brien. And it made Deshaun Watson think, what's the direction of this team? He made his comments at the end of the season about a change in culture. That's reportedly a sign that he wanted Jack Easterby gone. Easterby has only gotten stronger and more powerful. And then they disregard Deshaun Watson's input for coach and GM, even though they told him he'd have a seat at the table for that. That's led to the point where we are right now, where he wants out. And this is this dawned on me when I was writing the item earlier today. If they're into reshaping the culture in Houston, and you have a guy who's saying, I don't want to be part of this culture. Why in the world do you want to keep him? That's what I can't figure out. I get why they want to keep him, Mike. I mean, you look at what he's done in Houston. He led the league in passing yards last season. He has a $10.94 million base salary this year, and I know it goes up in 2022 with a $35 million cap hit, but that's still reasonable for a guy you know is a franchise quarterback. These guys don't grow on trees. They found their franchise quarterback. You think about all the guys they went through and the ways they tried to get him from Matt Schaub to David Carr, drafting him number one overall. I mean, they went through all these quarterbacks, and they finally seemingly have found their franchise quarterback. He is a franchise quarterback. I think we'd all agree with that. And now he says he wants out. But it seems to me, Mike, that this is an owner who has picked Jack Easterby over Deshaun Watson. That's just the way it feels to me from from the outside because by all appearances, Deshaun Watson is one of many players, but your most important player who wants to see Jack Easter be gone, and yet he's not gone. He's still there and obviously has a big role and a big hand in this organization. And unless and until Jack Easterby is gone, I don't know how this franchise really moves forward and changes that culture that both J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson talk about. And this is a team just a couple years ago that we thought was on the verge of a Super Bowl championship with all the great players that they had on their team. Not anymore. They're a long, long way, Mike, from from getting to the mountaintop with or without Deshaun Watson, which is one of the reasons you think maybe they should trade him and hit that reset button. Well, and I I think that the biggest problem right now for the Texans is they don't know how to properly figure out what's in their best interests. Obviously, picking Watson over Easterby 
is in their best interest. But Cal McNair refuses to do it. Easterby has some kind of hold on Cal McNair or 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 we can't have the inmates running the prison. I keep coming back to the catchphrase from the late Bob McNair that was uttered in conjunction with the ongoing discussions at the time over the national anthem that that to me feels like the ultimate source of everything that the Texans are doing, saying, not saying, feeling or not feeling as it relates to Deshaun Watson. You just work here. You don't tell us how to run our business. We decide how to run our business. You don't like Jack Easterby? Too bad. You're here to play football. We'll worry about who's working in the front office. You want somebody else to be hired for the coach, coaching position? Too bad. That's our decision to make. Now, they made a mistake by making him think that that yep. he would have input. And, and see, that, that's where they've screwed up. You have to have a relationship with your employee where you communicate effectively, where you let him know. You, you know his relationship with DeAndre Hopkins. You don't let him find out on social media that DeAndre Hopkins has been traded. You make a phone call. Hey, Deshaun, we just want to let you know what's going down here, and here's why we're doing it, and we're doing it. We didn't want you to find out on social media. H- how dumb is that to not reach out? Yeah to the most important employee in your organization with a five-minute phone call, it shows that you're either stupid or you're inconsiderate. (laughs) Either way, either way, it's enough when enough of those things happen for the guy to say, I want out, and I understand why he wants out. And I don't know whether or not the Texans are going to realize it's in their best interest to shop him now and maximize the return and then uh, move forward rather than being stubborn and creating a big fight and ultimately getting less for Deshaun Watson when they inevitably let him go because he's decided he wants out. The only question is when it's going to happen and what they're going to get in return for. Well, Mike, and it just feels like they have no plan, right? They, they've they now drawn this line in the sand and said, we are not trading Deshaun Watson. He'll come to his senses. He'll report. He's not going to hold out. He's not going to retire. And then what do you do if he does hold out? What if you do if he holds out in training camp? And then you say, okay, he's coming back for the start of the season. You get to week one, he's not there. What do you do? What's your plan? This just looks like the team, a team that has no plan. And if you think you're going to trade Deshaun Watson at that point and get anything of value for him, like what you could get right now, you're just not. So at that point, then you are probably tied to him, at least until the trade deadline. But I just don't know that you can maximize what you can get for him like you can right now, like you can before the draft happens, where you're getting draft picks this year, next year, the year after, however long, however many draft picks that entails. And we all think it entails a lot of draft picks and probably some players, too. Maybe the biggest trade since the Herschel Walker trade in NFL history. But they'll get a lot from Deshaun Watson if they move on him between now and the draft. If they wait, like I think they're going to wait, they're either not going to have him and he's going to sit out the whole entire year and they're not going to trade him or they're going to trade him during the season or or right before the season starts and not get what they could get right now. I just don't see a good plan in place and I see this organization screwing it up as it stands right now. And it doesn't surprise me at all. And And folks, if you want to understand what this team currently is about, go to YouTube, find the videos of Jack Easterby under the guise of preaching, engaging in stand-up comedy, 
I mean, th- th- this guy is so awkward that even Michael Scott says, man, that guy's a little bit awkward. So I, it's I, if you if you uh, want to understand again, just just because this is the guy who's whispering in Cal McNair's ear. This is the guy who is uh, setting the decisions and creating the culture and helping Cal McNair decide what he should and shouldn't do. And I, I just think they're completely misreading it. They completely misunderstand what it's going to take to make Deshaun Watson happy. And it's too late to try to turn it around. That's the other thing they don't understand. So for the same reason that they didn't realize maybe a phone call to Deshaun Watson would be helpful when they were trading DeAndre Hopkins, they don't understand that it's too late to try to fix it now. And just standing back and saying, he'll come around. He'll be fine. He loves football too much to sit out. And then when he sits out, they're like, oh, well, didn't see that coming. And, and I think that's where, where this is going to go. And it's unfortunate for Deshaun Watson, but by all indications, he's dug in. He doesn't care. If he has to pay back money, he'll pay back money. Because eventually he's going to play football again. And it's going to be most likely for somebody else. And if he has to sit out a full year to prove it, I feel like he's got, got himself in the state of mind, Shireen that he's willing to do it. And uh, uh, it's a shame because this is a guy who needs to be on the football field. He's one of the best players in the NFL. The game's best interest isn't served by Deshaun Watson not being on the field for someone. Well, Mike, and I think that it's time or going to soon come a time when Deshaun Watson is going to have to pick up the phone. He's going to have to talk to the Houston Texans himself, not through his agent. He's going to have to talk to them. And I also think it's going to come time for him to come out publicly, have a press conference, multiple press, however, whatever you do, but talk publicly and state your case, why you want out. And I look, I'm not reporting. The Texans have to understand this. So if he wants that trade and he wants it now rather than later where it gets to that point he's holding out, He's going to have to talk to somebody, Mike, and lay out exactly what he wants and why he's not showing up for the Texans. Otherwise, this is going to drag out until training camp and into the season and however long because the Texans aren't going to change their mind. But if he starts the public campaign of, I want out, I could see this speeding things up, Mike. Yeah, that is the one missing ingredient in this so far. And I don't think Deshaun Watson is wired to go public that way. The item in The Athletic says that he has a very deliberately stoic demeanor that was inspired by witnessing his mother's battle with cancer and how she handled the adversity. He prides himself on not getting upset, on not showing his emotion, and I think he believes that this is something that can be resolved without having to create a public fight, that he doesn't want to have to take it to that point now. He could decide at some point that's his only option. I've done everything I can. I've been as patient as I can be. I tried to handle this professionally. I tried to handle this discreetly. I tried to handle this quietly. And they have said no to me at every turn. And you're right. At some point, he and his agent, David Mulageta, need to have a plan for him to do a sit-down with someone who can ask him all the appropriate questions and some tough questions. But it gives him an opportunity to say in his own voice, I do not want to play for the Texans, and I love the people in Houston. I I enjoy and appreciate my time there, but given where the organization currently is, it's in my best interest and in the team's best interest for us to separate. And it's clear that Deshaun Watson still has a strong affinity for the folks in Houston. Aaron Wilson of the Chronicle pointing out today that Deshaun Watson provided meals to Houston police officers to help those in need 
during this Arctic black that is ra- blast that has ravaged the city and the state. So, uh, you know, Deshaun, look, Deshaun Watson has always been like that. Um, and, and he's always been looking to help. And he's always been a great member of the organization and a great member of the community. But that, that's what makes it so unfortunate that the Texans so badly misread the relationship, so badly misplayed the relationship to get to the point where this guy wants out. You should never let it get to the point where your franchise quarterback, one of the best in the game, conscientiously decides, I don't want to play for this team anymore. That's the tragedy for the Texans, that it got to this point. And now that it's there, they just need to accept it and make the best decisions moving forward. And, you know, the great thing about it from Deshaun Watson's standpoint, I have friends and family who are season tickets holder there. They already believe that Deshaun Watson is gone, that 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 ship has sailed. The bridge has been burned down. He's not coming back. They don't blame Deshaun Watson. They blame Jack Easterby. They blame Cal McNair. And that's how it's going to be, Mike. No one in Houston is going to blame Deshaun Watson for this when he does get traded. And I think we both believe he will eventually get traded whenever that happens. But at some point, he will get traded. They are not going to blame Deshaun Watson for this. They are going to blame ownership for this. I continue to be fascinated by the reality that these multi-billion dollar football operations with so many resources and so much time and so much effort and expertise devoted to crafting the best possible football team ultimately is is held and run by a monarchy. And the, the keys get handed to this family member or that family member with no guarantee whatsoever that the person who inherits the ability to run the organization knows what he or she is doing. Let's take a break. What are the Bears and the Broncos doing at quarterback now that dominoes fall elsewhere and they're still looking? We'll talk about that when PFTPM continues right after this. Coming up this weekend, the NHL at Lake Tahoe. Two outdoor games on NBC this weekend. Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, Golden Knights versus the Avalanche. And Sunday, 2 p.m. now. Time change. Note the time change. Flyers and the Bruins. And look at where they're going to be playing. Awesome. And that view, Shireen, that's like some sort of hockey video game where you can pick anywhere in the world to drop the rink. That is incredible. If I'm the goalie... I'm going to get distracted by that. I'm not going to see the puck whizzing at my skull because I'm taking in the mountain view behind the other goalie. Looks just like Dallas right now. No, I'm kidding. That's beautiful. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's awesome, and uh, we'll check that out. Both games, two days apart, Saturday and Sunday this weekend. So uh, unbelievable stuff. All right. The Chicago Bears were linked to Carson Wentz. As Jay Glazer reported, they never actually made an offer. They did some homework. But look, if the guy doesn't want to play for you, why do you want him? That was my big takeaway throughout the past week and a half when it dawned on me Carson Wentz should not want to play for the Chicago Bears. So what will the Bears do now that they haven't made an offer for Carson Wentz? And Shereen, I want to run something by you that that I've been kicking around, and it kind of hit me like a thunderbolt. Alex Smith makes the most sense in my mind. For the Chicago Bears right now. He's got the history with Matt Nagy. He knows the offense. Hell, the guy knows every offense at this point in his career and given all the coordinators he's worked with. (laughs) But Smith was good in Kansas City. He wasn't great, 
He didn't take them to the Super Bowl. They needed Patrick Mahomes to do that. But when you consider where the Bears are and where they are trying to stay, playoff contender, playoff team, keep people employed, Alex Smith, to me, is the perfect bridge to whatever comes next. Because I look around, there's nobody else that makes me think that guy makes the Bears a playoff contender this year. Other than Mitchell Trubisky, if they can keep doing what they did last year, and we know the fans aren't going to be thrilled with Trubisky. I, I think the fans in Chicago would at least be intrigued by the possibility of Alex Smith being plugged into an offense that he knows well and that he that he performed well in during his time with the Chiefs. I had not even thought of Alex Smith, but it does make perfect sense for him to go, go there because he does know that offense is, has success in it. Question is, does he still want to play? And it does sound like in his interviews, and he's given multiple interviews since the season ended, that he does want to continue his career. It just sounds like it's not going to be in Washington. So that does make sense. The guy I thought of, Mike, was Teddy Bridgewater. And you go, well, okay, he didn't have a great year. Do you realize, and I didn't realize this until today, his 3,733 passing yards would rank third in Bears history single season. They've never had a guy pass for 4,000 yards in their entire history. Eric Kramer owns a record with 38-38 in 1995. That's amazing to me. I mean, I knew they hadn't had the Pro Bowl and All-Pro quarterbacks that we talk about, and that's been one of that franchise's big problems. They've got to find that guy. And whether it's a bridge guy like Alex Smith or maybe if they believe in Teddy Bridgewater to come in and maybe the long-term option, whatever. But they have got to settle that quarterback position to have long-term sustained success in Chicago if that's going to happen. I'd want to go back and do full research on how he performed in cold and wind and elements during his time with the Vikings, when they played the Bears, when they played the Packers. But the last time we saw him as the Vikings starter, because he eventually made an appearance as a backup during the 2017 season, but the cap the 2015 season, it was outdoors, it was in the elements, it was cold, and he drove the Vikings down the field to put them in position to win the game. And then came Blair Walsh, who went wide left with the field goal, the 26-27 yarder. So Bridgewater, at least with the season on the line, was able to move the ball in the cold. It wasn't necessarily windy, and, and it was a clear day, but it was at least cold. So, so look, they could do a lot worse than Teddy Bridgewater. I, I think yeah. he's still underrated. And the way the Panthers are just kind of shoved him to the side has reinforced this belief that he's not really all that good. I thought he played better in his first season as the unquestioned starter since 2015 than we could have expected. So so that is a, a possibility for the Chicago Bears. They don't have many, though, that will put them in playoff contention. The Broncos right. reportedly are interested in trading for a top-tier quarterback. They weren't interested in Carson Wentz. Could it be, could it be that George Payton, the new general manager of the Denver Broncos, who was the assistant general manager in Minnesota for the past several years, could it be that George Payton thinks that Kirk Cousins would be the answer for the Denver Broncos? Because, uh, look, the Vikings are in a tough, tough spot. If they have Kirk Cousins on the roster on March 19, his $35 million base salary for 2022 becomes fully guaranteed. And he told us two weeks ago today that he's not interested in another contract. He's not interested in an extension. He's putting himself in position to hit the market in two years. Now, that means he's a two-year option for the Broncos unless they figure out a way to keep him. But with those weapons they have, I, I, I look, 
I, 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 I think Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. Is he a guy that's going to take you to a championship? No, I don't believe he is. Now, for the Broncos, they just like to have a winning season. They haven't had one in several years now. I, I'm just fascinated by the possibility that George Payton could call up his old boss and try to work out a deal that would help the Broncos at the quarterback position and would help the Vikings get out from under $56 million that, as a practical matter, is guaranteed to Kirk Cousins. I was about to give you a hard time, but you kind of saved yourself there because the report did say top tier, and I was going to ask you if you thought Kirk Cousins was top tier, but you added the 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 footnote to that at the end there, so so I think you saved yourself there, Mike. But I, I don't but know what's what top do. tier. You it's know, a big said- tier. It's a big tier. Top tier is a large tier. Look, he's capable of playing extremely well. He's not capable of taking you to a championship. I, and, and if I'm wrong, I've said it before and I'll say it again. He wins the Super Bowl, I'll get a Kirk Cousins tattoo. And I, I, I'll even <laughs> carry that over to a future team. I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, That's wow. how confident I am that he's not going to do it. As a starter, not as a backup. I love that. Yeah. But, Mike, they want to upgrade on Drew Locke. He was 32nd in passer rating. Anybody's an upgrade on the way Drew Locke played this season. So, there you go. Take whoever you can get, Denver. I tied with Carson Wentz for the most interceptions. You know, I I, I still think the Texans could be intrigued by him in a Deshaun Watson package because he went to Houston in December of 2019 and torched the Texans with his Buzz Lightyear game. But, uh, Locke, I I thought he was going to break out this year. He did not. Let's take a break when we return. Mailbag time on this Thursday edition of PFTPM. We'll be back with more right after this. All right, let's answer some questions. The first one comes via Twitter from Fifth Or Kid. Is Philadelphia looking at a quarterback in the first round now? There was a report to that effect that the Eagles would at least consider a quarterback with the sixth overall pick to go along with Jalen Hurts. I would prefer a veteran since Hurts is so young in the NFL, only his second season. There's the list of the top quarterback prospects heading into the draft. Trevor Lawrence is the clear-cut number one. Most people think Zach Wilson will go second. Who knows where Justin Fields lands, Shireen. But, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, veteran versus rookie. I still would rather have a veteran paired with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you know, unless you're in love with, say, uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones, if you fall in love with one of them, then I would say go ahead and do it. You know, you figure out who the starting quarterback is, which one of those guys is the franchise guy. But if you're not completely and totally sold on one of those guys and not in love with them, I agree with you. You go get Nick Foles or whoever it might be to come in and kind of groom Jalen Hurts if you truly believe that Jalen Hurts is your guy. And I don't know that you saw enough of him last year, Mike, to, to figure that out. I do know that Philadelphia needs to upgrade its its roster, especially on offense. I just didn't think they had enough weapons for Carson Wentz. The offensive line, we talked about those 14 combinations that led to 50 sacks last year. So they need to upgrade some things on offense. So if you think Jalen Hurts is your guy, you can get a really good offensive player there to help out Jalen Hurts. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And again, the Eagles view backup quarterback as a top 15 position on the entire roster. So they will make it a priority to find someone else. Posimus Prime with Carson Wentz gone. Are the Eagles going to be shedding veteran contracts in an attempt at a full rebuild is 91 Fletcher Cox back. Look, I I think that they'll look at every position and every team is going to be more inclined than ever before to squeeze a guy to take less or cut him off the roster and go out bargain shopping for veterans. There are plenty of areas where they can upgrade. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey just kind of been hanging around the roster for the past few years. I'm sure Deshaun Jackson is going to be gone or likely to be gone i don't want to guarantee it's going to happen because you never do know what a team's going to do but there are plenty of guys that you look at and say what are they really doing for this team and what could they be doing with that cap space instead so it's not i used this term yesterday with the steelers it's not rebuild it's not reload it's more like regroup and it definitely feels like that's what the eagles are doing yeah, no question about it, Mike. And you look at their salary cap situation, they've got to still, even with the Carson Wentz trade, they've got to shed shed some salary cap there to get under the number and to have enough room to, to bring in some free agents and help that offense get better. They were good enough, I think, on defense. That defense played pretty well. They've got to help that offense get better, score more points. This is an offensive game now. You've got to score in the upper 20s, low 30s to contend each and every week. And and so they've got to get better on offense. But here's the other thing, Mike. They play in the NFC East. Let's not forget that. So they've got a chance to contend, at least for the division title. Next one comes from, if I can read this correctly, Wisconsin Blue Crew. What's the cap hit for the Colts on this deal? Can they restructure the contract? 25 for this year, 22 million next year, 25, then 26. They can restructure anytime they want if Carson Wentz is willing to do it. They don't need to do it at 25 4. They've got a ton of cap space. So they take Phillip Rivers and his 25 out, they put Carson Wentz and his 25 in. Dollar for dollar. You know, I said this back when it first looked like the Eagles were going to be trading Carson Wentz. If you tell last March a Colts fan that a year from now you're going to have Carson Wentz and you're going to pay him as much as you're paying Phillip Rivers, they'd have jumped up and down for joy. So I don't think they need to do anything with the contract. Just keep going forward, Shireen. It's a good deal. I mean, as quarterback goes, and if he plays really well, Mike, it's a great deal for the Colts. Yes, absolutely. Last one from Brigai Fieri. Do you think that Carson Wentz will like whatever indie specialty dish is more than a cheesesteak? Uh, and we, we were talking about this during the break. No. The specialty is steakhouses everywhere, and it's St. Elmo's horseradish sauce for the shrimp cocktail that clears out your, your entire sinus cavity and burns out your brain in the process. On that note, see you tomorrow. Have a great evening. <laughs> <laughs>